How is everybody? Yeah, good to see you today. Um, want to uh, thank you for being here. I have a couple of jokes. First one is more insightful than funny, maybe. Maybe you'll think that about both of them. We'll see. Um, in space, two aliens are talking to each other. First alien says, the dominant life forms on Earth, planet, have developed satellite-based nuclear weapons. The second alien asks, are they an emerging intelligence? First alien says, I don't think so. They've, them, they've aimed them at themselves. Hey, remember how we used to finish each other's sentences when we were younger? Well, I'm in prison now, and I could really use a favor. All right, well, here we go. Uh, we are in a series in the, go- in the book of First John in the Bible, and uh, we've been going at it all summer. We're going to wrap up in the next two weeks. Um, so uh, I've, I've learned a lot about First John. I hope you have too. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I said a few weeks ago is we're going to spend quite a bit of time, and this is the third week now, in First John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to kind of finish up First John chapter 4. But I want you to grab a Bible, and we're going to look at, uh, literally read through the same section we read through last week. Um, and it is uh, really an important little section of scripture. Uh, There should be Bibles around you if you didn't bring one. Uh, There's page numbers up on the screen. And I'd like to read through these verses, have you leave the Bible open. We're going to reread a few of these verses as we go forward. So last week we talked um, a little bit about God's love and um, what that does in our own lives. Um, how God loves us unconditionally, and we talked about fear, um, if you were here uh, last week. Today we're going to talk about um, how John uses this section of Scripture in teaching us about God's love to encourage us to love one another, and that's what we're going to talk about today, uh, loving one another. So um, I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. Here we go. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loves us, loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loved us, and we have put our trust in his love. 
God is love. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be able on the day of judgment, uh, be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other. Why? Because he, first, he, he loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For we don't, if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. All right, we will come back to that. Um, we have our question at this time. Here's our question. Who is someone who has shown you unconditional love? If you'd like to answer the question, you get James or Flint's attention. Uh, you stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. Can I just say that we, you can share a name if you would like. Really what we would like is a, a maybe a sentence or two about how they have shown you unconditional love. All right, Jason. Hi, I'm Jason. Um, two people, Krista here uh, and my mom. No matter how awful I was to them, they always, always didn't give up, give up on me, always cared for me. And my love for them has grown so much stronger because of that. And I thank you, Krista. And thank you, Mom, that can be here. I love you. Bye. Thanks, Jason. All right, who else would be willing to share today? Good morning. I'm Jamie. Um, there's, there's been people in my life who have shown me unconditional love, but when I see this question, the person that I think about first is my cousin. Um, you know, and I think I may have said this a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, when I was a kid and like just going through it um, in the family, like she was always there for me and just loved me for who I was. Huh. Thanks, Jamie. Good morning. I have a little girl. She's four years old. And um, my addiction was like six, seven years ago. And so she came after that. And uh, I swear she was an angel sent from God because you can't, you can't go back to addiction. And um, there's been a lot of struggles since she's been born. But that girl, she loves me so much. On my worst day, she'll still tell me I'm pretty, even if my hair is a mess. And uh, one day, I was just so crabby. I was just so moody. I was like, man, does anybody love me? All the kids were fighting me. It was just a rough day. She goes, at least I do. And so <laughs> the innocence and the love of a child is just so unconditional and precious. And <laughs> it's really saved me, probably saved my life. Thanks, Sarah. Good morning. For me, it's the people who look at me and go, Heather, you're going off the rails. Knock oh. it off. Oh. Ah, thank you. That's the first time we've had somebody say that today. Um, that's really true. Um, who else? Anybody else? Got time for a couple more. Kind of subdued today. Have you had enough coffee? All right, Michael. <laughs> I'd have to say this church. Hmm. 
Thanks, Michael. Good to see you today. Anybody else? All right, Jimmy. We'll wrap up with Jim then. Hi, I'm Jim. No matter how much I screw up my recovery family. Hmm. And I screw up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jimmy. So um, thank you for uh, for answering uh, that question. I I hope that um, everybody here is able to at least identify um, some people in their life that maybe attempt to give them unconditional love. I don't think that there's perfect unconditional love amongst any of us. Um, but I do think that um, there are people in our lives who give us glimpses of that. And uh, I hope you do. And, and if nothing else, I hope today inspires you perhaps to say a word of thanks to them um, and maybe return a little bit of that love. Um, so uh, kind of loosen up a little bit, okay? Um, you, you look pretty stiff here this morning. Um, so um, I want to I say that I really find this question interesting uh, because when we think about this question, we right away go to um, times in our life when we were not very lovable. And uh, in order, of course, to do that, we have to admit that sometimes um, we have been hard to love. Turn and tell someone you are hard to love. All right, here we go. All right. So can I just say that it is interesting um, that one of the signs that we are struggling is we tend to push away the people that are closest to us. Uh, We want to isolate. Shame can sometimes be overwhelming. And we actually push away the people who often will want to help us. If you struggle with an addiction, addiction often destroys not just us, but our relationships as well. It is a selfish disease, and it can make you and me very difficult to love. Anybody want to say amen to that? Mental health issues often turn us in on ourselves. They are isolating illnesses, and they speak lies to us that you are unlovable, that you are incapable, that you are not enough. And of course, we all come from somewhere Um, Often, our difficulty in relationships will stem back to our childhood. You compound that with trust that has been broken in our past, or grief, limited resources, or limited help. And it is a wonder that we can function at all. Well, maybe to be honest... Sometimes we can't. Turn and tell someone he's got that right. So here's an interesting one. Have you ever met someone who feels like they've got life all figured out? Perhaps they even think that they know pretty much everything, especially what you should do. 
and um, they tend to think that they don't have issues, um, can I just say that such people might be even harder to love? Or sometimes what happens to people of faith is they tend to become more and more like the Pharisees in the Bible, judgmental, legalistic. They look at the world as those people and they just shake their head. I was, I was remembering this week, I haven't told this in a long time, but um, I was remembering that when uh, Lighthouse was fairly new, uh, for the first years of our existence, um, I would meet people and um, I would tell them what I do or more frequently even, um, I would run into people I knew before and uh, they would ask, so what are you doing these days? And I would tell them a little bit about Lighthouse and um, our Lighthouse family and ministry and you. And uh, the response was always the same. Uh, the response was always, oh, I'm so glad there's a church for those people. Turn and tell someone, I'm those people. <laughs> yeah. And, and hands, hands down, um, I can tell you what would go through my mind every time. Uh, they would tell me that, and I would think, I didn't say it because I'm a pastor. I would think, you know, someday life's going to crap on you too, my friend. Because that's kind of how life works. Right? Um, you know, the reality is, is that everybody has issues. And, um, you know, we are just dealing with them. Best we can write today. Chapter 4, verse 12 says this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. It's really an interesting verse. God's love is brought to full expression in us. The best measure of whether you're growing in faith or not is if you look more and more like Jesus today than you did in the past. I tell you that all the time. You want to know if you're growing spiritually? Ask yourself or ask people in your life, do I look more like Jesus today than I used to? Am I loving more like Jesus did um, when he walked on this earth? Jesus, read the Gospels. In fact, I'm going to preach through the Gospel of John beginning in November. Jesus was the least self-righteous and judgmental man or person to ever walk this earth. And it's really quite remarkable when you get to know Jesus because he was 100% righteous, without sin. He was holy, and yet he was the most non-self-righteous, the least self-righteous and judgmental person that's ever walked this earth. Um, I shared with you last week that Jesus was asked one day, um, Jesus, tell us what is the greatest commandment? And he didn't even have to pause to answer uh, comes right out of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. And, um, and then Jesus added another line. He said um, that there's a second one that kind of goes with it, though. Um, and I, I would have liked to have you know, even heard him say, I think sometimes we forget this one. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God 
and love people. John, who wrote chapter 4, was there when Jesus said those words. Love God and love people. Now, I want to acknowledge that um, it's a command in Scripture. Love God and love people. And I also realize that most of us in this room uh, don't like to be told what to do. Turn and tell someone, don't tell me what to do. Can I just say that if you are committed to walking with Jesus, sometimes it may feel like, oh man, I've got this love other people command that I got to deal with. Because I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm not even going to speak for you. Sometimes I just want to be a jerk. You know, sometimes I'm just not having the best day, and I'd like to be selfish or grumpy. You know, some days there are people who cut me off in my car, and I want to gesture at them. Not that gesture, I'm a pastor. It's a command. Love others. Verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Can I just say that if you know Jesus or if you're getting to know Jesus that what, what the Bible teaches is that God is now living inside of you. And that his love is beginning to kind of stir some new reality in your life. And that new reality, um, if, you, if you keep walking with Jesus, will begin to kind of come out. And people will begin to see it. Verse 17 says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Closer we walk with the Lord, the more God's love in us will grow. As we live in God, your love will grow. He's not saying um, you should grow it. Um, what he's saying is that if you walk in the Lord, if you know Jesus, and he's in your life, that God's going to grow it. That's pretty cool. That he doesn't, you know, this is too important. He doesn't leave it up to you and me. He's going to grow it. What we need to do is put ourselves in a place where God's love grows. You know, I, I share the, the line uh, that I learned in my recovery journey, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, the reality is, is um, that applies to our faith as well. Um, walk with Jesus and his love is going to grow inside of you. Walk with Jesus and others are going to be able to see his love beginning to come out in you. That's pretty cool. If you're having trouble loving others, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Surround yourself with people who love like Jesus loves. In verse 19, it reminds us where love comes from. It says, we love each other because he loved us first. Um, such an important concept. Um, I, I would like to suggest that we don't really know what true love is like, especially unconditional love, 
till we come to know God. God's love is unconditional for you and for me. God, God should have given up on me a long time ago. And, and yet his mercies seem to be new every morning. God's love for you is unconditional. I tell you all the time, and you know, nothing you can do today that's going to make God love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you can do today that's going to make God love you more tomorrow. He loves you just as you are and wants to begin to then walk with you and grow in your life. So I want to I spend a few minutes um, sharing with you some things that um, I, have, I have taught before here. I've kind of put them all together, but, but I want to kind of ask the question, um, how do we love people like Jesus loves people? And so um, I, I just kind of put together some of the things that I, I have shared, and, and some of the things that I work on, I'm far from perfect. Can I just say that? I'm far from perfect. Um, but I, but I, I've been working on some of these principles um, about love for others in, in God's name and, uh, you know, so take them for, you know, what value they might be to you. Um, this is one that I always start with. Um, I, I have learned that to love others like Jesus loves them is to treat people with love, dignity, and respect. It's a great starting place. Just in my mindset, I'm going to treat all people with love and with dignity and respect um, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they're struggling with, regardless of what they did, um, I, can re- I can treat you with respect, and I can treat you with dignity, um, even if you don't feel respectful or, or you know, like you've got much dignity. I can treat you that way. I'm working on that. One of the ways that I do that is I remind myself every day that every person I meet has been created in God's image. Um, one of the most incredible things about Jesus is um, all the self-righteous people hated him, put him to death on the cross, but all the sinners wanted to hang out with him. And I believe it's because Jesus was able to see past the exterior to see deep in what God had put in there in the first place. And then he was able to bring that out. He, he'll do that for you too. And, and so um, I've just tried to train myself to remember when, when I meet people, um, especially maybe some of the more challenging uh, folks that um, come our way here, none of you, of course, um, tried to remind myself that, that, that God has created this person in his image. Bible's clear about that. And that God called this person very good when he created them. That's in there. That they are a masterpiece of God, that God loves them, that, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for this person. And, and, and I think that one of the things that, that, um, that has helped me to do is it, it's helped me to kind of warm up um, and shaped my ability to, to love and respect and, you know, respect people's dignity as I meet them. I tell you, um, I've told you before that I pray the prayer every day, let me see people like Jesus would see people. Every day I say that prayer. 
Uh, here's another thing that I've uh, worked at. Um, I've learned everyone has a story. And if we learn people's story, um, it begins to make a difference. Um, we all come from someplace, right? And um, here's the thing. This is what's really been um, so helpful to me. Um, as I've learned to get to know people's stories, um, it becomes much harder for me to judge them, and it's become much easier for me to accept one another right where we're at. I mean, literally through my head, I've never said this, but um, literally, well, maybe I have. When, when somebody tells me their story, th- there have been times where I think, oh my gosh, no matter, no wonder you're so messed up. How did this happen to me that I'm here, you know? Um, because we all come from someplace, right? Your story, your background, where you come from is, has shaped the person that is sitting here today before me. And it's so much harder to judge each other when we kind of know where we've come from. Um, here's another thing that I've learned, and I, I'm not always perfect about it, but I'm working at it. Um, I've learned that I need to kind of have a, a mindset that I'm not responsible for your mess. Um, but I can love you in it. But that primarily my job is to take care of my side of the street. Can't even begin to cross over on yours if my side of the street is a mess. Um, and let me just say that, that I can love you in your mess um, because that's what Jesus has done for me. And so um, I, I think when we begin to kind of realize that the life is messy and, and yet we can accept people for where they're at, but we don't have to own it, it brings a lot of freedom. Um, finally, um, this is something that's so important to me. I learned this the hard way in my own journey. Uh, I really can't judge you, um, but for the grace of God go I. Um, I have just learned that, that when I'm with somebody who's really struggling, that what separates me from that person is very little. I could be there in an instant if you gave me the opportunity or if I took the opportunity. But for the grace of God, go I. So here's a few other things that I think are important. Um, ones that um, I've tried to practice. Don't know that I've kind of ever shared them quite in this way before, but um, the first is this. Um, to love you doesn't mean that I have to like you all the time, and to love you doesn't mean that I have to like your actions all of the time. Right? And so, um, you know, we're talking about a couple of different things. Um, I don't have to love you, um, and your actions. I can love you and respect the person that you are, but not necessarily what it is that you are doing. Also, loving you does not mean that we're going to be best friends forever. Right? See? I think that's going to be on the screen as well. Um, So it doesn't mean that we're going to be best friends. It just means that we're going to love each other and respect one another. Now, I do think that as we seek to live out our life of of love of of other people, especially in community, it's important for us to remember 
that in our faith, um, I think there's this natural tendency to have great clarity and opinion about other people's sins because it makes it easier to be blind to our own. I'm going to say that again. I think that there is this natural tendency within um, our, our faith to really develop great clarity and opinion about other people's sins because then I can ignore my own a little bit easier. And um, here's the deal. Everybody sins. Everybody struggles. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that I have come to learn as a pastor over the years is that, that when I've gotten to know what's going on in the lives of people who look like they've got it all put together, I quickly find out they don't have it all put together. And uh, one of the most helpful lines that I heard in, in my recovery journey was stop comparing your insides to other people's outsides. Everybody's got something going on in their life that nobody else knows about. And so um, everybody struggles, everybody sins. And um, if you read the Bible, if you read especially the Gospels, you're going to find that the sin that Jesus had the biggest issue with was the sin of spiritual pride and self-righteousness. Um, it was those people who put Jesus on the cross. And there is this natural tendency for us within our faith to kind of move in that direction. And we have even become really good at spiritualizing it. So we don't think we gossip but instead, what we do is we come around to our friends and we say, you know, we all need to pray for Shane because here's what's going on in his life. Or we all need to pray for Misty because here's what's going on in Misty's life. Can I just tell you, if that's you, get back on your side of the street. Get back on your side of the street. Now, when we are wronged, when we are wronged, um, and when we are hurt, we need to work on forgiveness. And we know um, here in this place better than anywhere that withholding forgiveness only hurts us, right? Um, so I just wanted to say, because I think this is really an important message to when we're talking about loving each other. Um, forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. Um, just because you're forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you are excusing the hurt or the actions, and it doesn't mean like everything is going to be all okay now. Forgiveness means that I no longer am going to hold it against you. I'm working at letting it go. With me? And so for those of you who have been in abusive relationships or in very difficult relationships, uh, yes, we need to work on forgiveness, um, but that doesn't mean that we just go back to the places where we've been. Recon uh, forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. Now, um, I will also acknowledge this. I think uh, Heather mentioned it. Sometimes... 
Loving someone means creating healthy boundaries and saying difficult things in love. Um, can I just say emphasis on in love? Uh, some of us are probably really good at saying difficult things without the love part. And I think that we can learn as followers of Jesus to say difficult things lovingly, using the right words, conveying the same message, and even one that might work. Now, I do want to also say that there are people um, who, are, who are hard to love. I want to acknowledge that. Um, we've maybe all been that person. Uh, but, I, you know, there are people that we encounter all the time that are very hard to love. Uh, they might be needy or exhausting. And even though I know none of them are in this room, I do know that once in a while they come through the doors of this church. And um, I just want you to know that, that um, whenever I do encounter those people, um, I go back to the beginning of the things that I shared. I can treat everybody with love, dignity, and respect. And learn their story. As God's love grows in us, um, we also have to quickly ask the question, what about those who we have hurt? To this, I just want to acknowledge that we have all hurt others in our journey some very deeply. Um, and um, I'm not going to you know, really go into detail about that today. What I want you to know is that our Lighthouse community is filled with groups for you and I to work through those things, to work through those hurts that we have caused in other people's lives. Um, every 12-step program has you work through these things the 12 steps done in order can guide you. Sponsors can work with you. Um, accountabilities can be helpful. Brothers and sisters of Christ can be an encouragement. And if you're not sure how to even get started in the, some of that, because, you know, it, it may be heavy on you, just ask and I'll point you in the right direction. I want you to remember the source of love for one another is God's love for us. Um, this fall, um, starting on our, our day of our anniversary, I'm going to talk a little bit about the New Testament vision of what it means to be the, the body of Christ or the church. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, um, not so that you can stay home, but I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to start with this idea that it all begins with loving and accepting one another in Christ. That that's, you know, if we don't get that right, then um, we're not going to get anything else right. And so we love each other uh, just as Jesus loves, loves us. And um, I, I wanted to tell you that one of the most um, cool experiences I have here at Lighthouse Church is I will frequently meet people um, who, are re who are recycling back to Lighthouse. Um, and sometimes it's been like many times um, and I don't always know where, they, where they've been, but they'll tell me, you know, I just got out of prison again, or I got out of jail, or I'm back at center, or I'm, I'm <clears throat> back in treatment, or I'm trying to do the recovery thing. But here's what I know. 
whenever those people come and they kind of reconnect with me, um, I know that they have already learned that this is a place where they will be welcomed with open arms when they do that. It's pretty cool. Um, I was thinking about uh, that when on Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery we had a little special night and I interviewed um, a couple of, of administrative people from the programs that we work with in the state of North Dakota. And uh, we provide care coordination services and peer support services. And I'd had a conversation some months back um, with Heather Brandt, who was one of those administrators. And Heather was saying that, that they were really working on evaluating outcomes and trying to evaluate how some of these programs work, like, like, you know, what's the time frame? Is it like two or three years? Do we measure within two or three years whether the programs have worked with care coordination and peer support services? And like, like for people in some programs, you can tell within two, three years, have they gone back to jail or prison? Uh, for others, it might be, you know, have they found some recovery or have they been in and out of treatment or in and out of the hospital or... Uh, whatever the barriers are, how, in and out of homelessness. She's saying, you know, that we're really trying to get some data back um, on these programs. And I told her on the phone, and she alluded to it uh, the other night, if you were here, uh, she alluded to the, she, I told her that, that you, that's, that can't be the only way you evaluate these programs. We have people who have been coming in and out of stuff for years and they keep coming back. And then I told her about Ashley. I asked if I could tell Ashley's story. Um, I asked Ashley. Um, so we have had um, a woman by the name of Ashley who has been in and out of Lighthouse for probably seven or eight years, we figured. And uh, she has um, come often when she's uh, been needing help or been at center. She's been in and out of prison, in and out of jail, in and out of relationships, um, had kids, lost kids, come back. Um, all these dynamics that um, have uh, kind of occurred in Ashley's life. And I, I told Heather, um, you know Ashley, I told her. Um, Ashley, um, you know, has been on this long journey um, you know, and she's been in our program and others' programs. And if you measure just in the way that you just described you're going to measure, uh, she would not be a success necessarily. Except that I can tell you that Ashley um, will be at our 4 o'clock service this afternoon because she's been at every 4 o'clock service for the last months with one or two of her kids that she has now living with her. And she lives in Dilworth. And um, she is pursuing a life of recovery and that God has made a huge difference in her life. How do you measure that? And I wanted to tell you that because, uh, well, here's just one more part, piece of the story. I told Heather that. And like within a couple of weeks, she ran into Ashley at the mall. And uh, they had a conversation, and uh, Ashley was able to confirm exactly what I had told Heather. I hadn't told Ashley I told her that, but, um, but I, I think that um, one of the things that, that we as a community, when I look at the, the landscape of churches, you know, there's some 180, 200 churches in our community. Nobody else quite does what we do. What I want our community to know is that if you go away or if you're struggling and you want to come back, there's always open arms here. That you will be welcomed every time that you come back with love and acceptance the best we can, far from perfect, 
but the best we can. Because that's what Jesus does for you and for me. Never gives up on us. And we can love one another in that way and yet grow in our faith in ways that will, you know, help our lives as well. Amen? Amen.